0: We're going to jump into our message today. The title of it is It Is Finished. So if you want to get your Bibles out, your sermon notes, you can also go on YouVersion Bible app and go to the events section. The sermon notes are available for you there. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 19. Woo! John 19, we're just happy, excited about the Bible. Give it a little shout. Shout out to God. Thankful for what he's doing in our life. Thankful for who he is. It is finished. It is finished. Last week we talked about being a great finisher, and uh, I gave you three easy E's on what it's like to be a great finisher. Number one, you have to have an entry, right? You have to know what your goal is, and you have to go for it. You have to start. At some point, you have to get started. You can know what it is, but if you never actually go do it, then it's never going to be accomplished of so being a great finisher. You've got to have an entry point. Number two, you have to have some endurance, How many us it takes some endurance to finish something well? Whether you're running uh, 100 meters or whether you're running a mile or you're running a marathon, it takes some endurance to finish what you start. And Endurance is just about overcoming the difficulty and the opposition. It's something to get started, but when it gets tough, there's a temptation to back out. So we need the endurance step. Then the third one is we need the ending step. And the ending step is just about not quitting or giving up until God is finished. I started to say don't quit until we're finished. But how many of us we quit sometimes or we're finished before God is finished? How many times you say, I am so done with this. I am just so done. I am so done with her. I'm so done with this homework. I'm so done. We can be done before God's done. And so just because we're finished, don't, don't pack up your bags just yet because God has something to say about it. So we, we talked about those three easy E's and, and this week we're going to continue the it is finished, but I want to, I want you to give your neighbor the subtitle. I've got a subtitle for it is finished. So I want you to look at your neighbor and say, what is your it? What is your it? Pose that question to them. Maybe look at your other neighbor that you were saving for your second option and ask them, What is your it? What is your it? You were hoping we would come back to them. What is your it? So we're going to talk about it today and what it means to find our it. There's times in my life, I don't know if you're like this, but I ask myself this question, what am I really accomplishing? There's times at the end of my day, end of my month, you know, where I start thinking, you know, what, where did the time go? I know as my kids are getting older, I'm starting to run into that. Some of you that's had children that have already moved out of the house or you're experiencing that, just like you look back and you think, whoa, they were just born yesterday. Where does the time go? And I started to reflect, and Dawn and I had this conversation just a couple weeks ago about what are we accomplishing as parents? I know time is going by, and I know I'm parenting, but what am I really accomplishing? Am I doing what really matters? In the grand scheme of life, what am I really investing in? And, and, and what am I doing? Is, does it really matter in the, in the big picture? So I, I began to ask this about myself. And, and uh, at the end of days, I think, okay, I was really busy today. I did a lot of things. What did I accomplish? So I looked up the word accomplish. And here's the definition of the word accomplish. You can find this in Webster's Dictionary. I combined a few things, but it means to bring to completion. It means to fulfill a job, to bring about a result, to succeed in reaching a progression. So now that I know those things, I begin to ask myself this question. What am I supposed to bring to completion in my life? What job am I supposed to fulfill? What result am I trying to bring about? Or better yet, the question we might all ask ourselves is, how do I know if I'm succeeding? And I think we all deal with this. What are we accomplishing in life? At at the end, I've dealt with this with people, maybe you have as well, people at the end of their life, at those last moments and sadnesses there as they're getting ready to pass from this life into the next. Rarely, rarely do you find someone that says, Man, I just wish I could work another shift of overtime. What are we trying to accomplish so at the end of our life we can say, I did it. Rarely do you find them saying, Man, I sure wish I could watch another episode of that show on YouTube. I was almost finished with season nine. <laughs> Rarely does it happen at the end, at the end, we want to know what's most important. What's most important? So, what are we accomplishing? What, what are we accomplishing in life? And and how do we know what we're accomplishing really matters? This is what I want to talk about today. You will find this if you spend much time around me, whether it's in a church setting or whether it's in a school setting or whether it's a connect group setting, whatever. My main thing that drives my motor is helping people find their purpose in life. Why are you here? Why are you waking up? Why do, why do you get up every day? What, do you, what are you trying to do with your life? I, I, it's so important for us to find this in our life. And, and you can do a lot of things. There's a lot of good things that we can do, but, but why do you do what you do? I remember going to school four years. Some of you know I got a degree in accounting, and so you go through the four years, you get a degree, and you think, okay, I get a degree, now I've got to get a job, and so I get a good job, and, and uh, I've, I've got a, a job at this university, and, and so I'm pumped about that. You know, some of my friends didn't get a job. I've got a job, yes. So I go to my job making, making good money, I thought, for a first graduate, you know, job, and uh, I remember... That less than two months, I'm driving home from my job, and I'm, I'm not listening. i will be lying if I tell you I heard from God. I didn't hear from God. Well, I did hear from God. I just didn't know I heard from God. I wasn't like praying. I was driving home, and I had this thought that came to me, and it said, you were made for more than this. Two months into my job that i just spent four years of an education, money, time, accomplishments, I thought. In that moment, I already heard a voice telling me you were made for more than this. So when we talk about accomplishing things, what I want to encourage you is I want you to get connected to God. And I hope at the end of this message, your, your agenda will not be anything other than to connect with the voice of God in your life. Find out why he created you, what he created you to do, and go after it with all that you've got. Because in the end, we want to know that we accomplished something. We want to know that what we accomplish really matters. So in John chapter 19... Let's find out what the Bible says here, a little bit about Jesus, the finisher. I'm going to look in verse 28. Follow along with me there. It says, after this, Jesus knowing that all things, everybody say all things, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Say accomplished. So now if we say Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said these words, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they, they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it. On hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Notice what happens here. Jesus is on the cross. Put in the context, Jesus is hanging from the cross when it says these words Jesus knowing. That word knowing is a Greek word that means to see. Like uh, we would say, Hey, I see what you're saying. So that means I understand, I get it. So Jesus in that moment says, knowing, I know all things are now accomplished. And then later on he says, it is finished. So I looked up the word accomplished and the word finished. And I give it to you there in your notes. And the, the, words for, the Greek word for accomplished and for finished is the same word. It means the exact same thing. And the word means this, to bring to a successful finish, to complete, to an end, to accomplish something. To set out for a goal, a point aimed at, or a target. So here's what I begin to ask. When I read the Bible, I ask some weird questions. My mind is a little bit different maybe than some. I'm a little weird. Uh, so, you know, a lot of thoughts going through my head. So when, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, knowing all things were now accomplished, how could he know that all things were now accomplished if he didn't know what he was supposed to accomplish? If he said, it is finished, how could he say it is finished if he didn't know what it was? Just things I think about when I'm reading this. and So he says, I'm knowing all things are now accomplished. Now what was all accomplished? What was, what was his goal? What was his purpose? In the end, Jesus knew what he was supposed to accomplish. He made it to the cross. Now, now, you got to think about this. When he said all things are now accomplished, he's still hanging on the cross. He's not resurrected from the dead yet. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, what Jesus not, not all things aren't accomplished, Ned. Three days later you're going to rise. Now all things are accomplished, but no, no, no. Jesus could know all things were now accomplished because in that moment he did everything that he was supposed to do. That he knew now he put it in the Father's hands that he knew he trusted, he could say it is finished because he knew if I do what I'm supposed to do, I know my father will do what he's supposed to do. Can I encourage somebody that when you're going after doing what God wants you to do, if you will do what you're supposed to do, God will do what he's supposed to do. But too many times in our life, we want him to do his part before we'll do our part. We all want the resurrection Sunday without our cross. We, we all want the power of the resurrection without dying. Jesus said, "It's all all things have been accomplished." And we're going to talk about in the coming weeks about what was actually accomplished. But what I want to get at on this section is about for you and I to know: Are we accomplishing the right things? Jesus knew in that moment, "This is why I was born. I came for this moment. It was painful. It was difficult. There was a lot of adversity. There was a lot of opposition." But he said, "This is why I was here." In that moment. And he took his last breath and gave up his spirit. I want to be like that. When I take my last breath and give up my spirit, I want to say all things that you sent me to do, Lord, I accomplished. Everything that you asked me to do, I finished it to the best of my ability. It's a great goal for us, but it's something we have to do. It's something we have to engage in. So now how did Jesus know all things were accomplished? How do he know it was finished? If he didn't know what it was, he couldn't say it was finished. Let me, let me put it to you this way. This phone. This phone has a lot of features, a lot of bells and whistles. It'll do a bunch of things. I can do some of the things that this phone could do. I don't, I don't utilize all the capabilities of my phone because I don't know it well enough. Who knows the most about what this phone can do? The designers of this phone. The designers of this phone know exactly what this phone can do. It knows all the bells and whistles, knows all the features. It is intricately involved and knows about the potential of this device. The same way our designer knows the most about what we can do. So if you want to know your it, if you want to know what your purpose is, why you're here, we cannot know it fully unless we're connected to our designer. If we get connected to our designer, he's the one who made us. He knows what you like. He knows what you can do. He knows why he put you here. So our greatest part of finding out our why, our it, why we're here, is about being connected to our designer. So now let's talk about this. What is your it? I, I was going to talk about you know last week. I gave you the three easy e's. This week I usually like to start the points with all the same letters because I like alliteration. I like things to be easy to remember. But today, I'm doing something different. I'm going to give you three things about your it that you need to know. And I made them as simple as ABC. <laughs> so today, we're going to have your ABCs. The first thing you need to know about your it, A, is it is agreeable. Each one of these points is going to have 2 subpoints under them. The thing we need to know about our it, why we were created, what God put us on the plan to do, number one is it, agree- it is agreeable. Two parts to that. It's agreeable to God and it's agreeable to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, you give up yourself, your own rights, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So here's the first part about being agreeable. The first thing we have to know about our it is it's supposed to be acceptable to God. What God puts you on the planet to do is to honor him and be acceptable, be pleasing to him. If you will put that in the forefront of your thinking, why I'm on this earth, number one priority, number one job is that I am to be pleasing and acceptable to God. That is why I have breath, is to honor him with my life, to be fully agreeable with him. There's no greater purpose for us. There's no greater purpose, nothing going to be more important in our life than being acceptable to God and we can get that we can we can realize that you know Jesus talked about that he was acceptable to the father he understood what he was supposed to do in John 5:19 Jesus answered and said to them most assuredly I say to you the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for whatever he does the son does also so now we see that Jesus was in that role where he was acceptable to God he honored God whatever he saw the father do that's what he did But we can say that we got to be acceptable to God. And that sounds like a little churchy. Maybe a little like, okay, yeah, I get that. I'm supposed to please God. But the second part of the A, of the agreeable, is it's not only pleasing to God, but it's also pleasing to us. The first word is to be acceptable to God in this scripture in Romans 12. But the second one is that it's reasonable service. Look what the word reasonable means. The word reasonable means to be rational, logical. Genuine in the sense of being true to the real and essential nature of something. It is rational and logical for us to give our life to God. To live in agreement and in a place where we're pleasing God. It is rational and logical. Why? Because the next part, genuine in the sense of being true to the real and essential nature of something. Here's what it means. Took me a while to get this in my life. I thought living for God was the right thing to do. What really changed in my life was when I realized it was the best thing to do. I mean the best. Not best like I get everything going my way. I mean the essential nature of who you are is found in God. When we live for God, it's not only agreeable and pleasing to him, but it is actually agreeable and fulfilling to you. When we give our life to Jesus, it's not just about being a good boy or girl and doing what he wants. It's actually experiencing fulfillment on the inside of us because we get to be who we are. We get to be a real you, your essential nature. You were created to serve God. You were created on the inside. God knows you. He knows your nature. He knows what you're like. How many of you could swear up and down that you liked something and you were all in for something and then not much long later, you decide, oh, you know what? I don't like that anymore. (laughs) You thought for sure that's absolutely what you want to do. Yes, I, that's, yes, absolutely I don't. And then something happens. You're like, oh, no, I really don't want that anymore. What happened? You don't know yourself as good as you thought you knew yourself. How many of you took a job, you thought you were going to love the job, thought it was going to be awesome, and then a few months later, all of a sudden, you don't love the job anymore? What happened? Did you change? You didn't change. You just found out more about yourself than you knew at the moment you took the job. Here's the beauty of it. God knows you from the beginning. So we can ask him what he thinks. So this part about being agreeable, it's not just being agreeable to God, it's actually being agreeable to ourselves, finding fulfillment in who he is. Let's look at the second one. The second one is B. A is being agreeable. B in finding your it. B stands for bigger. Everybody say bigger. 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 Two points under bigger. Number one, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Your it, what God wants you to do, is bigger than you. Habakkuk 1.5 says this. says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. What God wants to do in your life, what he wants to do through you, it is so big you wouldn't even believe it if he sent it to you in a text message, an email, or posted it on your Instagram account. It doesn't matter. What he wants to do is so much bigger than what you can imagine. We look at ourselves so small, but God sees something bigger on the inside of us. You're it, your cause, your purpose, I don't know what it is. But I guarantee you this, across the board, it is bigger than what you think it is. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I can think as big as I want, but God is asking us to think bigger. Bigger. Why do we have to think bigger? Because what God's asking you to do is more than you can do on your own. It's bigger than you. You're gonna come to a place in serving God. I I believe this with all my heart. We're gonna come to places in our life where we face impossibilities. I've said this before, and I think it bears repeating. If you don't ever run into impossible situations in your walk with God, be careful, you may not be following God. If you're going to follow God, you're going to walk into impossible situations. Why? It's his way of letting you know, hey, you can't do this on your own. You need me. Impossibility reveals dependency. It it happens. How many of you, you're going through a situation, you're trying to handle your business, you're trying to take care of yourself. I can do this. I can make this. Until finally, you come to your last straw, you can't take it anymore, you're ready to give up, and all of a sudden, you reach out for help. Hey, come on, I I need some help. I'm about to die. Whoa, you needed help six months ago, but you tried to handle it yourself. See, God brings us to a place of impossibility to let us know, hey, there's certain things that you can't accomplish that only I can accomplish. There's certain things that we can do on our own. There's certain things that we can do without God. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, He gives us breath and life. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about people that aren't even serving God. They can still accomplish things in life, but how much more can we accomplish when we have a relationship with God? God wants to bring us to a place of impossibilities. God says this in the Bible He says, With men, it's impossible, but not with me. With God, how many things are possible? All things are possible. So here's what I'm asking us. I believe God's asking us to raise our level of expectation on what God wants to do through us. He wants to do impossible things through you. He doesn't want to do impossible things through preachers. He wants to do impossible things through everyone. He wants to use you to do impossible things at work, impossible things at school that no one else can do. No one else has ever tried it. But God wants to work through you so that you can experience impossible results. We was talking about the word Expectation. And and we were praying about this yesterday at First Saturday Prayer, and I saw the word expectation on the screen, and God kind of highlighted to me the word expectation. And I want you to separate those two words. The first word expect, I want you to expect. And then the A-T-I-O-N, he said, now I want you to insert a C in there for Christ, and I want you to expect action in your life. Expect action. Too many times we don't expect God to do what he says he'll do. We hope he will, and we just kind of say, well, if you want to, you will. But we don't expect it. Expectancy is when you're anticipating it. Expectancy is when you feel like the person that's promised is obligated. I'm expecting them to show up. They said they would show up, so I expect them any time now. We're expecting them any time. Why? Because they said they would come. So when God says He's going to do something, we need to expect it. Expect action. It's bigger. It's bigger. This is why, coming up in the next couple weeks, we're going to have a service here. Randy Clark's going to be coming. And I encourage you to be a part of that service because my expectation is going up. I want to believe bigger for what God wants to do in our church. I want to believe bigger. We're praying and believing God for more of the miraculous, more of the supernatural. Well, we've got to believe bigger. We've got to expect it. We've got to engage it. We've got to say, Lord, I believe you to do great things. The Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. That through your hands, through your hands, God wants to do some miraculous things. So let's build our expectation and say, hey, God wants to use us to touch the world around us. It's bigger than us. So the second part of that, it's bigger than us and it's impossible. The second part is it's not about us. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's not about you. (laughs) Some of you enjoyed that way too much. (laughs) It's not about you. You're it. Your purpose in life. I hate to burst anybody's bubble. The best thing you can do is find out that you're it, your purpose in life is not about you. But we, we want to take care of number one. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to make sure I get the promotion, make sure I get the race, make sure I get the job. I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> Did I get my time? Did I get my money? Did I get my position? Other people just, who cares? Praise the Lord. God just blessed me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But am I right? I mean, we joke about it, but down in here, when you get for realsies, that's how we feel sometimes. But we've got to grasp it. If I'm going to walk in my it, I have to know this up front. It's not about me. The Bible says this, that as many of you have received gifts, as each one of you has received gifts, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Your it is going to involve helping someone else. Might as well get ready for it. You want to know, Jesus, when he came, what was his agenda? Was his agenda about himself? It was not about himself. But what happened? When he made it not about himself, the Father said this about Jesus. He said, I have exalted his name above every name that is named. Jesus lowered himself and served others, and God exalted him and raised him up for it. You want to be exalted and raised up and, and see honor before men and God? Then lower yourself and serve people. Yeah. Instead of clawing for the top, say, look out for me, look out for number one. Serve other people. Make it about them, and God will find you. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows your Instagram handle. He knows everything about you. He can get you where you are and bring you to a place where somebody can find you. Well, nobody's going to know me. Nobody's going to know where I am. Nobody knows who I, Oh, yeah, God knows you. If God knows you, then it doesn't matter who else doesn't know you. God can exalt you if you'll humble yourself under his mighty hand. So it's bigger than you. Let's do C. C is it's costly. This is the one you were waiting for. A, it's agreeable. B, it's bigger. But C, it's costly. C, two sub points under costly. Number one, there's a price to pay. Can I get this out of the way and make sure you understand this clearly? To be a follower of Jesus, there's a price to pay. If you think you can serve God and never pay a price, you're deceived. So I never want to paint a picture that, well, I, I, I want to, yeah, I want to serve God, but you're not willing to pay the price. It costs you something. Look, here's what the scripture says this in Luke chapter 14 And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be his disciple. Look what the next part says. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Unless after he's laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but wasn't able to finish. He came out of the gate good. He was good out of the blocks, but couldn't finish. Came out strong. Yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't find this very often at the at the end of our life. I, I don't run into too many people that don't say they want to go to heaven. I mean, everybody wants to go to heaven for the most part. Every once in a while you've somebody smart out, a little rebellious, I don't care, I don't want to go to heaven. But most people, you say, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Absolutely, I want to go to heaven. Okay, you're willing to pay the price. There's a cost. It's a little sombering, but it's honest. If we're going to live for Jesus, we're going to have to pay the price. I'm not talking about pay the prices in earning your salvation. The price is just saying no to yourself and saying yes to him. But here's the thing. Don't get discouraged in that. When you're like, wait, Chad, thanks for the encouragement. There's a price. <laughs> hey, I'm just being real. There's a price. Some people come into Christianity, they go, oh, woo, I want to go. And then all of a sudden some adversity comes their way and they bail. You're going to have to pay a price. You're going to have to say no to yourself. That's the price. It's a big price. <laughs> Nobody likes to say no to ourselves. But here's, this, here's the part that's, that's important with that, the second part. Yes, there's a price to pay, but number two under costly is it is valuable. You gotta know it's valuable. In other words, it's worth the price of admission. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. If you have some money, you've saved up some money for something and you got something that you wanna buy, there's a certain value to it. Let me, let me read this scripture. It says in Matthew 13, 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Finds a treasure hidden in a field, and for joy over it, goes and sells all that he has. Let's break it apart. If you sell all that you have, is there a value to what you have? There's a value or you wouldn't be able to sell it. Somebody had to be willing to buy it. So what you had had a value. But the man in the story looked at what he had and compared it with the treasure in the field and said, even though what I have has value, it's not worth as much as what's in that field. So I will sell all I have so I can buy what I don't have. Here's the point. Whatever it costs us to serve God, whatever you give up to serve God, it's never going to be as valuable as what God is going to give you in return. You're never going to give up anything for God. I know it's valuable. There's things that I've had to give up that I thought, man, really, God? Do I have to? He's like, no, you don't. Wait a minute. That was too easy. He said, I can't give you this if you won't give me that. But what I want to give you far outweighs that. Come on, let me give it to you. Give me, let me give it to you. But I love this. He said, I know, but you'll love this even more. But we will not exchange until we see the value of what God wants to give us. We will value what we have, our own ability to make our own decisions, being the boss of our own lives. We'll value that. We love being the head honcho of me headquarters. We love controlling all the decisions and and determining what we want to do when we want to do it. We love that position. We love that seat. Oh, it's nice. The armrests are wonderful. But God says, if you'll let me be in control of your life, I promise you I will lead you better than you'll lead yourself. I will take you places you'll never go on your own. So we have to trust that it's more valuable. Yes, there's a cost to it, but we have to be willing to give up what we have and realize that what he wants to give you is more valuable. That, yes, you're making exchange. Yes, you're giving up something, but he's going to give you something so much more that if you'll trust him, you'll have peace that you never had before. So as we put the three things together to know what your it is today, A, I want you to know that it's agreeable that it's to be agreeable to God, you're it. If you want to say at the end of your life, I have accomplished something, I have truly accomplished something that matters, I have finished something well, then number one, you need to be agreeable to God. Make your life acceptable to him. But get, make sure you understand this, this encouragement. It's not only agreeable to God, it's going to be agreeable to you. It's in your best interest to serve him. Then B, realize it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's more than you can do. It's impossible, really. Impossible will either discourage us and get us to quit, or it will challenge us and bring us to a higher place. How many competitive people do I have listening, watching online? Are you competitive? If you're competitive, I dare you to serve Jesus. Serve him with all your heart. You usually say you're competitive? Then go after the winning team. Jesus is the winning team. And if you'll be competitive, you won't want to lose. I don't want to lose in life. I don't like to lose at anything. I mean, anything. I'm just thinking of all the things that I might not mind losing in, but I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I can't come up with anything right now. (laughs) But the only thing God asks me to lose He asked me to lose me. I didn't want to let go of me. But he said, Chad, if you'll lose you, I'll give you who you really are. You think you know you. You think you know this is what's going to make you happy. You You think, you think, you think. But I promise you, I know you better than you know yourself. And once I lost me, the Bible says if you will lose your life for him, you'll find it. Guess what I found? I lost my life and I found it. And every day it's a challenge to lose my life again so I can find more. It's not a one-time decision that I made at one point in my life. Every day I gotta get up and be willing to lose. I'm not willing to lose to my will to say yes to his. It's gonna cost you something. It's the ABCs of finding your it. I want each and every one of us to experience a feeling at the end to say, Lord, I, didn't, I may not have done everything you wanted me to do, but I accomplished the right thing.